Welcome to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, a podcast for managing and growing your legal practice. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Entrepreneurial Lawyer. I am your host, Dan Cuneo, along with my amazing co-host, Sarah Rattan. I'm going to take that one today. Thank you. I was feeling a little uncomfortable with the introductions, but I agree. Amazing is the right word for today. How excited are you for today? Very. I couldn't sleep last night. I I just kept kept thinking of our guest. A little weird, but I couldn't sleep. Leading up to it, I mean, I was just like Googling everything and watching all the videos. Um, I, I like to say local celebrity for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Introduce. All right. For our listeners, we have a special guest with us today. For those in the Midwest, you know him from Brown and Crouppen, the managing partner, Ed Herman. Also, I'm sure you've seen him on Three Lawyers Eating a Sandwich. Three Lawyers Eating Sandwiches, yes. Award-winning, right? Award-winning, yes, yes. And then also, Brown and Crouppen has their own television network. Yes. Did you know that? Um, well, I want to be like them, so yes, I did know And then that. we also have <laughs> Ed Versus. Ed Versus, yeah, that's, 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 that's my little... Uh, it's my fun little series there that you can find on bctv.com. Catch yes. up on all the episodes you missed. I have to tell you, I, I was catching up on some of them, but the one, and I don't want to go down too far away from our topic today, but the elevator one is spot on. And I thought of that today when I was in a meeting earlier this morning. I mean, it, it was literally, you, you hit it right on the head. I, you know, I, I, I had given a lot of thought to elevators over the years. It was great to finally have a medium <laughs> that allowed me to get my thoughts out there. It's always interesting to see which ones people connect with the most. Um, and that was one that, you know, you can never predict those things. So I, I pick topics that, that, I, that I feel like I just want to rant on. And uh, and I love the fact when when people can relate to it and they, they feel like, you know, oh, I've never thought of it like that. I yes. connected with... Um, the naps. Mm, yeah, 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 that, that was, that was mine. One. Naps. You know, different types of naps, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How long should you nap? Um, that was a good one. I have to ask you a question, though, before we jump into our topic okay. here. You don't have to give names. That would be a horrible idea. Okay. But of all the sandwiches, mm-hmm. has there been a really bad one? Oh, a bad sandwich. Oh, geez. You know what? I, I Nothing is jumping out at me as a bad sandwich. I mean, we do a pretty good job screening. Screening. By okay. saying, Looking at the Yelp yeah, reviews. I mean, well, yeah. Like, you know, like asking, like, what are your top selling sandwiches? What are the ones that people, that your most loyal co- mm-hmm. you know, customers come in because they, they can't, this is the only place they can get this and they come for it. So each place will kind of give us, you know, it could be anywhere from three to six sandwiches and we'll just eat all of those. I will say that I was forced to eat an egg salad sandwich because there's regular Ed sounds and, excellent. Yeah, well, oh. the thing is, I don't. Yeah, I don't that's, eat that's eggs. That's Dan for you. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't eat eggs, but but you know, sometimes when you're doing it for marketing or television or, or digital, it's like I have a, another persona, and I've convinced myself that that persona will eat eggs, oh even if gosh. the regular one won't. <laughs> so I had to get myself in that zone at Brown's Irish Marketplace out in Kansas City. Delightful people, good good stuff, good atmosphere. I ate their egg salad sandwich. I have to say, it was really good. It was. It was. It was the only time in my life that I've taken a bite of egg and not been uh, wanting to vomit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was that was special. But I can't think of any bad sandwich. I mean, so when you're okay. out of character, have you had an egg since? No. You haven't tried? No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've only had eggs twice. Once was that egg salad sandwich, and then once I was doing a cooking segment on Show Me St. Louis, mm-hmm. and they were doing a thing on deviled eggs, and of course. I would, and for me, that's probably the worst thing to have to put in my mouth because that is that's, it a texture thing? It is. The, yeah. That spongy okay. egg white 
That is not for me. But as I discovered in a deviled egg, the little yolky part, once it's been seasoned with all the paprika mm-hmm. and all that nonsense, basically just tasted like dip. And I love dip. Oh, wonderful. That's a good way yeah. to look at it. I mean, this is a whole new topic is branding. So yeah. hopefully we, we, we can have you back and we can talk about that. But today we are talking about an important topic. And as a lawyer myself, being a litigating partner from a, a prior law firm, it's when do we take a case? Because we, we, attorneys want to take all cases in the beginning. Right. But you can't take all cases for many reasons. But then it becomes, okay, how do I pick and choose? And if I want to take this case, do I have the capacity? Do I have the bandwidth? And what do I do with that? I don't want to turn it down. So, and I'm sure you've come across this in your practice. It is. And this is this is the topic that I wanted us to talk about today because I think a lot of people have seen the videos. They've seen the lighter side. And they haven't always necessarily seen the really strict business side, you know, because that's really what I do. I mean, as managing partner, one of the key decisions you have to make in a law practice, whether it's what we do in personal injury or family law, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't even matter if you're in law. Same thing would apply in in your medical practice or any business that you have. Uh, One of the biggest challenges is figuring out what are we going to take in-house, what are we going to refer out to have handled by other people, and what are we going to just say no to? And you're right. The biggest challenge businesses have is that at first you take everything, and you, you, you're excited to take it all. And you, it's hard to get out of that habit, and a lot of people want to grow their firms, but they don't really think of it in terms of what they should be thinking of it as, which is growing their profit. Now, I'm going to just preface everything I say by saying this. I know that people are in business for a lot more reasons than just making a profit. You know, there are personal reasons that drive us into the areas of law that we practice. You know, I didn't get into personal injury law because I just wanted to make a profit. You know, I got in for very personal reasons, and I'm sure the same for people that get into every area of law. But for the purposes of this conversation, I want to focus on just maximizing the profit and doing that through figuring out which cases to take and which ones not. And before we get into the full conversation, I always like to start with a visceral metaphor because I think it helps people really understand what we're dealing with here, and it's this. I, I want you to, to picture a bifold wallet, like a men's wallet, the kind that just folds in half. I have one in my back. You have one. Right in, many people do. I don't, but, but, but they're common. And I want you to think about how many bills you can put in there money-wise before it simply won't fold over anymore. So you can't put it in your pocket. There is a limited number. Whatever that number is, it is a capacity. But here's the thing. Whether you're putting a $20 bill in there or a $1 bill in there, they both take up the exact same amount of space. And what you're going to find in your practices is that's true for the cases that are most valuable and the cases that are least valuable. From a, uh, an overhead standpoint, from a time standpoint, by and large, they take up the same amount of room. So if you think about that wallet, you think about maximizing the amount of money that the wallet can hold. You don't think of it in terms of how many bills it can hold. Your goal should be to fill that wallet with as many 20s as you can find. And if you've found all the 20s and there's still room in the wallet, it's okay to go ahead and get some 10s. And if there's still room after that, you can go to the fives. But that has to be psychologically your thinking as you are dealing with the capacity issues, what you call the bandwidth of what your practice can do. Because what most people just do is they just keep growing for growth's sake. And it makes them feel good that they're having a bigger operation and employing more people and helping more people, and that's all wonderful. 
but that is not what's going to grow the profit. You know, that's a great example, but I was thinking, one, I'm glad you said wallet, not billfold. <laughs> I always remind you of my grandma and my aunt that always see my billfold. What I was thinking is you're <laughs> going to go home and see how many 20s you can get into your yeah. wallet. <laughs> well, I like that you said 20s and not ones. <laughs> well, but also, that. though, I was thinking of when I, I, I was equating packing like for luggage, right? Because I just try to jam everything in there, and then I'll sit on top of the suitcase and try to zip it up. And then when I open it up, it's all just wrinkled and it's just bejangled, right? You know what? And that's a great extension of that metaphor mm-hmm. because what happens is when you try to shove a lot more in there, that's exactly it, what it, I was. You make tremendous sacrifices in the quality of your representation and the quality of your of your exactly. client experience. Yep. And what else are you in the business for if not to be the best lawyer you can be? And if you're a good business person and a kind human being, you want to create the best experience possible for your client. You know, in our business, our clients have already been through a tragedy. You know, so we got to do what we can to not only restore them financially, but also get them to a a better place in their life in general because they've gone through loss. And of course, in family law, it's the same situation. These people are dealing with, you know, the worst time of their life, you know. And and so um, if you cannot build your business in a way that provides adequate bandwidth for client experience, making it really good, and also to make sure that you are giving the top notch in your work, you're really hurting your business more because you're not creating very, very happy and satisfied people and you're not getting the best results possible. If you really want to do well and attract the best business, you have to have a reputation for getting the best results possible and treating your people the best way possible. And that's a big issue when it comes to capacity. And, and empathy goes a long way, just kind of tying in what you're saying. But at the end of the day, attorneys need to make sure that they are able to take that case and, and, and that they're they have not only the capacity, but the ability and the knowledge. And I, and I, what I would think is, and I remember just managing cases when they would come in one, to your point, not everyone wakes up and thinks, Oh, I'm going to, I can't wait to talk to an attorney today. Right. So you're, you're getting them at their worst point in life, whether it's a tragedy or they're dealing with a personal issue, whether it's from a family law standpoint or dealing with a probate issue. I mean, the list goes on. There's so many areas of law. So we want to make sure that we're treating them with respect. They found you. So now you need to, to show the empathy and show the confidence that you, you can relate to them and be able to take that case. Right. And, and again, I, I, I would tell you that strictly from a profit standpoint, I mean, of course, we know all of the human reasons why it's great to do it that way. But I can promise you, your profit margin will be larger. Your profit will be bigger if you're focusing on maximizing your in our case, a recovery, your case, getting the best result possible for your client and doing it efficiently. But you know that certain cases are going to take a lot longer and therefore they're going to be more valuable for your business. Mm-hmm. But the, but I, I suggest those things not just because it's the right thing to do. It is the way to make more profit, one of the ways. So the question people usually come to me with is they say, well, that's great, but how do you know? And when can you know? Because it doesn't really help you to figure it out once you've had the case in the office for three months because at that point, you're probably just going to stick in it. Mm-hmm. So what you have to figure out is how early can you know? What can you know on day one before you've committed to taking a case that's going to tell you, is this the kind of case that's going to be very healthy for my profit margin, or is this the kind of case that's going to suck away from it? And you know, for us, I'm sure you've probably heard of the Pareto principle or the 80-20 rule. But for those who aren't familiar with it, what it basically – suggests is that, you know, 80% of your revenue comes from the top 20% of your cases. 
It's not actually true, but it's a guideline, and it's not too far from the truth. So like in our practice, and I, I think every practice can do this, I think you need to know those numbers. You need to make a list of all of your fees that you've gotten from your clients, from the biggest fee of the year to the smallest. And let's say you've, you've worked on it, just to make the numbers easy, 100 cases that year. You need to know how much of your total revenue came from the top 10 cases, the next 10 cases down, the next 10 cases, and you need to look at what percentage of your overall revenue was represented by those cases. And what you're going to find, and it'll be different for most businesses, ours, it's, it's wildly different. We have cases that are worth millions, and we have cases that are worth, you know, 25000 because that's the state-required, you know, minimum policy. Um, so for us, it's a very wide difference. In other areas of practice, family law, I don't know how wide the swing is, but I think what you will find, we did this in our practice back in 2006 where we really dove in. And what we found was that 91% of our revenue was coming in from the top 60, 65% of our cases. And when you see a number like that, it's kind of staggering because you're like, my God, that doesn't even count the cases that we don't get a fee on. You know, because in our business, we only get a fee if we collect. That was just looking at the ones we did get a fee on. And what that told me was that about half the cases we're working on are making all of our money, and about half the cases we're working on are just using up resources mm -hmm. and, and draining us and taking away from the profit margin. And so we set out to figure out where that line is drawn. So the first thing you do for any business is you make that list and you look for that sweet spot, the spot that surprises you, the spot where you're like, my God, I can't believe how many cases we're working on that are really not going toward the revenue. They're just taking up time. And once you identify that, you need to see the cases you had that were just above that line and the cases that you had that were just below that line. And you have to take a close look at them. Then I did it, of course, in the world of personal injury, but I think you can do this with any area of practice. If you're a doctor, if you're a dermatologist, you know that you can do it based on the procedures that somebody had gotten. And a lot of those procedures are elective. That's why I point to dermatology. And then once you've analyzed what distinguishes a case from what's above that line, from what's below that line, that starts giving you the indicators, the things that you need to look at on day one. And, you know, I started off, I looked at 100 cases that settled right at the line and 100 cases that settled just below the line. And I started looking for common characteristics. And you'll always find common characteristics. Then I caught myself because I'm like, I don't want to just look for common characteristics. It's going to take me forever. I just want to look for common characteristics about information that I could know on day one. And for us in our practice, and I won't get too granular on it, but I'll just say it came down to seven points seven factors to look at on day one that would determine if the case would be in that top 65% and therefore part of the 91% of the revenue or in that bottom 35%, in which case it was only 9% of the revenue. And we felt like we could make that up in other ways. And so um, that's what we did. I, I, I don't want to break up the conversational style of this, so I'll let you guys pop in with, with questions. Yeah, but. I mean, the, the, a lot of our listeners are smaller firms or they're just getting started. And I think the, the biggest question that a lot of listeners are going to have is, at what point in my early career do I start referring out cases? Wait, I have a question before that. 
Because you have, in my Time mind, you, you okay. have to take a step before you make that decision, right? You have to take this information, these data points, um, these determining factors on what you're looking for when you're deciding, I want to take this case. But what do you do with it? Do you put that into an intake form? Are it, these questions mm-hmm. that you yes. ask during a consultation? The, these, exactly. Those are questions that are all handled up front at intake. Okay. And, and for us, you know, if, and it's going to be different factors for every area of law. But you know that there are factors that make one case, one matter, more valuable than, than another matter. Right. And as you start to look at these and you look for those common patterns, um, you're not going to nail it 100% of the time, but that's okay. Because the amount of capacity that you're going to free up in your firm is what's going to allow you to achieve greatness and really keep the profit margin high. Now, your question of... When do you know it's time to switch gears from I'm going to take everything to I'm going to start becoming more selective? That's when you realize that your wallet is full. And now if you're you're making a debate between, geez, I'm doing so well now. Everyone's instinct is the same. I'm going to go hire an associate. I'm going to bring in another paralegal. You know, those things start adding cost big time. For most law practices, at least of our kind, your number one expense are your labor costs. Your number two expense is generally your marketing. Every other expense is really not that bad. It's pretty manageable. Even the rent is not a very big percentage of your revenue. You're going to find that those first two things are the biggest piece. So what I tell people is, listen, if you have a choice between taking whatever that extra money you think you have to hire that extra lawyer, that extra paralegal, the associate, and ask yourself, do I really want to raise my overhead in that column? And and maybe you do, because if you have all 20s in your wallet and there's more 20s out there, then you do want to add an extra person. You know, that, that becomes an easy one. There's still plenty of good gold out there. You know, there's gold in them hills. But if you get to that place where you say, you know what, I would rather keep that cost right where it is. I would rather add that money to my marketing budget in an attempt to attract higher value cases. And then what this will allow me to do is keep my staff the same, but what we're working on, what we're spending our hours on, are simply more valuable. And then that tells you you have to you have to then cut some capacity and send it out to another attorney. Now, in, in the world of family law where you're doing billable hours, it may not work the same because an hour is an hour, right? You're gonna charge the same regardless. So you may have to look at this a little bit differently. But for most businesses, you know, you have to learn where your money's coming from. You know, where is our revenue really coming from? What's driving this thing? You know, that was a, a huge thing for our business. People know us. I mean, we're Brown and Crouppen, right? We're the biggest personal injury law firm in the state of Missouri. How many attorneys do you guys have? Um, Over between 50? fifty and sixty. Yeah. yeah, but we've got two hundred and seventy-seven employees total, and you know, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we we do a lot on these files beyond just the legal work. We really kind of take some pride in in helping a person restore their life completely as well as we can to where it was before. And that requires a little bit more than just uh, just being there for the legal side. But yeah, I mean, 277 people, but geez, I want to, I want them all working on the most valuable cases that we can, that we can get in the door. So that's what I'm saying. These are the decisions you have to make and saying, are we better off spending that extra money? Because everything's an opportunity cost. You don't have unlimited funds. If you had unlimited funds, you wouldn't have to be in business, right? You could be on a beach somewhere spending your unlimited funds. So that's that key choice. You know that these are your two biggest expenses. When do you want to add that money to labor versus when do you want to add that money to marketing to attract a higher quality, more valuable client? 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Entrepreneur Lawyer. This is part one of a part three series with Ed Herman, the managing partner of Brown & Crouppen. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, presented by Lexicon. Lexicon is a legal software and services provider that enables lawyers to do what they do best, practice law. Tune in next time with our hosts and be sure to subscribe and leave your review on your preferred podcast streaming platform or by visiting lexiconservices.com. Thank you.